So welcome to Girl Employees, a podcast about visual culture and platform capitalism. We are hosting this podcast together, Carmen and I, and I will start by introducing myself. I'm Morgan, a visual artist and a writer who's also an affiliated researcher at the Institute of Network Culture. And Carmen. Yes, I'm Carmen Heinz and I am a curator and writer-researcher based at the Technical University of Vienna. So this is our podcast, uh, Girl Employees. Thanks for listening to us. Today, Carmen is going to introduce us to the terminology of girl boss, because as you probably have guessed it, our podcast is called Girl Employees. And we were quite interested in looking into the lineage of the terminology girl boss. And we are going to introduce you to the findings of Carmen today. And then in a later moment, I will ask Carmen some questions and navigate this conversation more organically. So one of the one of the most used um, definitions of a girl boss on on Urban Dictionary is as follows: Gaslight gatekeep girl boss, which I find quite interesting because I think it's indicative of the fact that girl boss has arisen as quite a negative or pejorative term in recent years. So in, in kind of looking about the neologism of girl boss, so a neologism refers to a term in linguistics that is relatively recent or isolated as a term or a word that has achieved institutional recognition recently. So girl boss has really entered into um, mainstream discourse and vocabularies, as I'm sure people are familiar. Hashtag girl boss is a very common trend on like Instagram and other social media sites. I mean, you can just go into your search engine and look up girl boss and it's just like an endless flood of different memes and in kind of Reddit threads or what have you. Um, so the term arguably was first coined by Sofia Amoroso in her 2014 book, Girl Boss, which was also developed into a television series that was canceled after one season due to unpopularity and due to criticism that it just completely fetishized millennial narcissism. So Sofia Amoroso is the founder of the fashion retailer Nasty Gal. Um, and what Nasty Gal was, it was initially conceived in, in 2006 while Omoroso was, um, was working at the art, the University of Arts in San Francisco. And what it started as was Amoroso selling, um, vintage clothing out of her room on eBay. And then over the course of the past of the 10 years, kind of right at the nexus point of of um, the growth of Silicon Valley overall in the early 2000s, it really accelerated and expanded into a massive um, online platform for fashion retail. And in 2012, the Inc. magazine named it one of the fastest growing companies in the USA with $23 million of revenue and $40 million in investment in 2012. And in 2016, um, Amoroso was named one of the richest women in the world from Forbes and had also been named kind of one of the 30 under 30. Um, and this motivated the writing of her book, 
girl boss, which kind of spoke a bit about her background and and her history and her life. I, I looked through the book and it's it's interesting because she writes about having ADHD and not being able to kind of participate in school in a conventional way. So um, moving towards homeschooling and then moving to Portland in the early 2000s and hitchhiking and stealing and dumpster diving as a way of making money, then coming to San Francisco and taking on odd jobs and at certain points being, um, yeah, institutionally criticized for the stealing habits um, and kind of taking on these different uh, labor arrangements and then ends up starting Nasty Girl out of her room while she's working um, at the University of Art in, in San Francisco checking IDs. Um, and initially as, a, as an eBay company, the way that she was kind of arguably able to to generate quite a strong consumer base was, you know, definitely through the the style and the nature of the items that were sold, but also through um, this really active engagement with with consumers and mutuality of of um, reviews. Um, so she was actually banned from eBay. Um, because of posting hyperlinks into feedback to customers. Um, and it was kind of right at the precipice when this business model was really um, gaining traction in the early 2000s, post, you know, Jeff Bezos's and the uh, Jeff Bezos's conference in 2002 on looking at developing um, business models where there's an um, abundance of information and a scarcity of attention. And I think that... Um, that Amoroso's Nastiga was really nestled within that. But anyway, so she um, she opens up this eBay, this eBay brand, Nastigal, where they sell these different vintage clothes and kind of engages with their consumers in really hands-on ways. There's kind of this sense of um, creating um, kind of different hyperlink chains, the creation of a of a networked interface, kind of this rhizomatic, the beginnings of kind of this like rhizomatic architecture, which has kind of become the basic foundation of, of platform capitalism, as we know today. Um, and then eventually she's banned um, from eBay. And there's some discrepancy as to why. Um, she said that she decided to leave eBay because um, she was not able to leave reviews of customers. That's why she set up her own website, um, Nasty Gal, which really quickly like accelerated and exploded into a massive, massive um, fast fashion retailer. She was named by the New York Times, the Cinderella of tech. Um, this is when she wrote the Girl Boss book and she kind of became quite a public figure of sort of this image of, of like a woman who can do it all of the CEO model for this again really like emerging um, model of of platform capital and and the tech industry in general. Um, in two thousand and seventeen, Nastigal goes bankrupt, and the reasons for this were a range of um, toxic work culture mismanagement. In 2015, four employees filed a lawsuit because they accused Nasty Gal of firing them because they were pregnant. Um, and the, the company um, went under and was bought by the Boohoo Group, which is a, um, a UK-based company which owns a range of, of different fast fashion brands. And it 
you know, in, according to the Ethical Consumers Ratings Groups, Boohoo is um, ranked one of the worst um, companies for palm oil sourcing, for environmental reporting, for um, supply chain management, for animal testing policy, and for likely tax avoidance. Um, since uh, Nasty Gal was accumulated by the Boohoo Group, Sofia Moroso has gone on to create the um, the uh, a media company called Girl Boss Media, and Girl Boss Media kind of functions as a um, a mix between a platform for different media content and um, distribution of information. Um, and also, um, it's kind of a media company aimed at female audiences. And, and since 2017, um, she's also held what she calls girl boss rallies, which are weekend long, um, basically networking and education events that cost around a thousand dollars where people can come and talk about, um, women's empowerment and female entrepreneurship. So this is kind of the history of where the linguistics of the word girl boss came from. It's interesting because recently Sofia Moroso um, published a statement where she says, um, can we please stop using girl boss, which I find quite interesting because it's still used for the media company, um, which I think is an interesting example of um, kind of self-referential retracting on particular neologism in terms, maybe an example of cognitive dissidence as you probably would argue um so i think that's interesting that she kind of has publicly encouraged a movement away from this term because it has um really come to indicate something so pejorative which i don't think is um coincidental based on the history and the story of nasty gal but actually speaks to the same kind of um structures and capital entanglements that produce the connotations of the linguistic term and also produce the um the the rise and demise of nastical as just one example of the larger wave of platform capital um i think that you know in looking at general discourse on the term girl boss one of the reasons why it's um, developed such a negative connotation is it's really you know to quote alex abad santos of vox um, it's really shifted culturally from a noun to a verb. So one that really describes the sinister process of capitalist success and hollow female empowerment, um, which really points to, again, going back to the beginning of, of this, is this parody phrase, gaslight, gatekeep, and girl boss. And even though the kind of official sort of mainstream emergence definitely came through Sophia Morris's book and the history of Nasty Girl, I think that it really, really links back to um, the visual culture and rhetoric of the Reagan and Thatcher area. So really the, um, the founding points of, of neoliberalism. Margaret Thatcher, I think, epitomizes the girl boss hegemony, the power suit and the mass um, exploitation um, and forms of violence that are kind of obscured under the um, the performative equality of um, of the inclusion of women into these patriarchal power matrices but then just reproducing those same mechanisms and using um, kind of gendered equality as a way of obscuring those types of extraction and violence.
Thank you so much, Carmen. It was super interesting. I have yeah a question. So I, I'm just kind of wondering what are because you mentioned the lineage of it, but I'm wondering what are the prerequisites for girl bossing, basically. Because what I think is interesting about the terminology that you would never said about a man that he's man bossing. Yeah. It's this sort of common agreement that men in positions of powers or CEOs or etc. I by default leading sometimes a toxic um industry or that you somehow need to have a certain um, sociopathy in order to run a business mm -hmm. so I think that it's kind of interesting to see how like when women started to embrace this boss attitude it took no time for it to be sort of discriminated again mm -hmm. because it fell into very toxic and dark patterns mm -hmm. that perhaps people don't envision in womanhood because I suppose to lead a business and to produce good and to be able to be uh, financially consistent, etc., you might have to, you never have to mistreat people or mistreat with bad payments, etc. But I would suppose that you might have to take on an attitude that is not a feminine attitude by definition or something like this. So just to rephrase that, why is girl bossing, in your opinion, a negative turn Meanwhile, when it comes to position of power for men, it has never been highly criticized before. Well, I mean, I think it's a really important, important question. Um, I think that by definition, the word boss is hegemonic because it just implicates a power structure. I mean, that's literally what it is. Now. <laughs> so I think that it's, um, you know, a completely hegemonic power system. And if we... Um, take an intersectional approach to the way that we look at um, class hierarchy and class um, exploitations that's directly linked to um, gender-based discrimination, gender-based hierarchies and, and gender-based exploitations, um, particularly if we're following some, you know, social reproductive feminist analysis of of gender as a class relation. But that's a whole other, inshallah, that we can talk about that another <laughs> another time. Um, so to be honest with you, I think that um, within the patriarchal market complex, um, boss is um, affiliated with patriarchy, with masculinity. So you wouldn't say man boss because it would it's kind of part of the same interlocking power matrices. It like isn't necessary because that's what's implicated. Um, and, you know, there was, you know, the term girl boss has been criticized in the way that it kind of infantilizes um, the figure of the woman by the fact that you have to put girl boss in front of it in the first place. It can't just be boss. But then I would take it a step further and say just, you know, trying to create any type of politics around the world boss in general is just a um, it's a paradox in itself. Like being boss in any form will never be um cute. will never be cute <laughs> will never be subversive in any way and i think that it's um i know one of the things behind naming um this term girl employees or not this term this podcast girl employees is um really critiquing um the way that um kind of anti-system behaviors or kind of anti-capitalist behaviors or kind of any sort of anti-establishment movement can be so quickly 
accumulated into the language and into the patterns and into the structures of these um, power hierarchies, engagement of capitalism. I mean, the term is accumulation, isn't it? And I think that coming from a feminist background and really seeing the way that so many strands of the feminist movement have been accumulated by capital to reproduce um, class violences, racial violences, um, it's really important to begin addressing how um, to begin addressing how these processes accumulated or why, and starting from this point in order to um, think together and work together on imagining um, alternative types of vocabularies and behaviors and structures and patterns. Great, thanks for this. Another question. I feel like I was not so. I was not so in touch with the growth of girl bossing, but I did felt like there was a degrowth specifically since COVID. Mm -hmm. And I, my assumption would be that the lifestyle and the intensity that you could lead as a girl boss in a normally functioning world and capitalist society was maybe freeing and exciting. But during COVID, people start realizing that work and only work is not that fun. And then we had all this new era of like cottage core mm -hmm. and sort of like... Um, I don't want a dream job type of situation, etc. So I'm kind of wondering if you have any thoughts on maybe if the pandemic, the isolation has revealed darker side of the girl boss and if people are dropping this terminology right now, which one do you see arose? I just mentioned that to you previously, but I said that I was seeing those videos online where people are saying, oh, I just girl bossed a bit too hard and now I have real responsibilities. And so it feels like now there's more facets, let's say, to this um, to this cult of girl bossing. There's more facet to this life, which is maybe not that, you know, glitterish, etc. So yes, to rephrase my question, do you think that the pandemic and COVID has precipitated the downfall of girl bossing? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. And I think that it's been both rapid and, and gradual, the demise of the of the girl boss trope. And I think that there are um, a few examples and, and um, moments that I would highlight. I think the first is, um, is Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos company. I think that's from some of my reading and in some conversations and looking. This was kind of the moment where the girl boss imaginary completely bursted, right? I mean, I assume, as most people know, it was a it was a company um, started by Elizabeth Holmes, who was um, who created the company in her second year of Stanford, that promised to um, create an alternative technology for blood testing that. Um, never actually worked and um, on a on a technical level, but you know, had billions of dollars worth of venture investment, and it was kind of one of the um, prime examples of a of a massive um, media failure and a lot of kind of girl boss hype that kind of came crumbling to pieces. Where there were um, you know just there's a there's a series about it now at the moment which really just highlights the amount of internal and external injustices that circumvented that and it was elizabeth holmes as kind of this this imaginary of the of the kind of girl boss figure that really held up 
the reputation of this um, of this fictitious technology and of the capital being pumped into it. And I think that with the fall of Elizabeth Holmes and with the fall of that imaginary is really kind of when we begin um, to see this general um, questioning of the of the term girl boss and the associations that come around it. So I think that, um, yeah, it's linked to that particular case study. And I also think, again, is that girl boss as a term is literally um, really, really linked to um, to platform capitalism, right? To these um, kind of rise in the tech industry at the beginning and mid of the um, 21st century. Um, and I think that now, like when we look at the, at the um, kind of the plummeting of companies like WeWork and of other different platform companies and the kind of volatility of the tech market, um, which is becoming more and more apparent, I think that a lot of the kind of associated neologisms like the girl boss um, imaginary are also kind of um, beginning to be criticized and um, questions more actively. I think that COVID, um, in a way, certainly created, um, didn't end capitalism. In many ways, it like accelerated um, the astronomical wealth of a handful of, of tech um, moguls, such as Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. But I also think that um, the different kind of um, work and, and labor configurations that were forced by the pandemic has also created conditions of people questioning what it means to work, what does it mean to engage in purposes of work, how does it relate to labor, Where? how do we do that work, where do we do it, what does that mean? I mean, I think um, Beyonce's new single kind of calling people to release their job is a really interesting insight into this is that I do think that there is some kind of um, mainstream discourse about questioning um, kind of the the um, normalcies of of um, capitalism and neoliberalism. Thanks for this. Um, now a bit more personal question. I think then people see us in the outside world when they see what we do, how we do it, they might tend to think that we're girl bosses. At least I've been called that in the past. I don't own a big business or anything like this but I think it has to do a lot with the connotations of working hard dressing a certain way having a certain attitude whatever although you know that's the scope of the podcast we're both employees <laughs> so far from girl bossing but I would like to ask you if you have been seen in that light ever and how that made you feel and if you don't want to be a girl boss why do you think being a girl employee is a solution, if it even is a solution. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a super interesting question as well to make it to make it quite personal, because I think that there's a difference between um, girl boss and girl bossing. Again, like we have examples of girl bosses, which include Elizabeth Holmes and kind of these massive CEOs and fast fashion companies and tech companies. And then we have girl bossing, which is a verb, which means um, certain patterns of of behavior doesn't it it's kind of again going back to that that um quote from alex about santos of this um shifting from a noun to a verb i mean me personally my whole life as a child i was always told i was bossy because it was true <laughs> you know i would always want to you know in in school i was always like really enthusiastic about like 
choosing the different games that we would play. And I think I do have like quite a, a dominant personality, I would say, a little bit. But I think that, again, the, the fact that I was called bossy and um, my, you know, male boy counterparts at the time um, were just called you know, a bit mischievous or rambunctious really speaks to the fact, again, is that boss by definition is just a hegemonic term, if that makes sense. And it's designed to, um, the, the very fact of calling someone or calling a little girl bossy because they are, you know, excitable and like hyper-organized and, and nerdy, right, is just um, reproducing those gender violences like within that at like a very small scale. So I would say, yes, I um, was labeled as girl bossy. I have been labeled as girl bossy, which is, um, again, a way of infantilizing um, passion and productivity. And I also think it's something when, you know, in the femtech book, when we were talking about this, I think that wanting to do things and like be productive and talk about things doesn't necessarily mean that you want to reproduce the violences of capitalism by like extracting mass amounts of commodities and creating surplus value chains. Like even Marx and Gramsci, like the, you know, the OG leftists talk about like there is this there has to be this internal desire to do things and want to make things and and make you know ideas together and form things together in different ways of negotiating and communicating how that's done um if that makes sense which doesn't necessarily have to be accumulated and um inflated by capital so to answer your question i think that i would probably be labeled as a girl boss in many ways but um I would not in any way like to be associated with that sort of like hegemonic um, uh, term. And I think what I like about the the word girl employees is that it comes from a meme that I saw a few years ago um, that said like, um, what about us girls who aren't girl bosses? Can we be girl employees, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, um i it came at a particular time i think it was like 2016 or 2015 when i saw this where you know i was like in university and thinking about what i wanted to do with my life and i felt this immense amount of pressure to fit this girl boss trope to try and kind of like find success in that conventional way of like feeling a sense of failure um through productivity or like non-productivity and things and this idea of kind of like creating empowerment through something that involved kind of like the anti-boss <laughs> of forming for me felt like really exciting it's you know like you don't have to be rich and powerful to be empowered as a woman at all in fact the opposite I think we need to create a consciousness of of not conflating those two terms at all Thanks so much for this explanation. And I would like to ask you which song you chose then today to sort of wrap up this conversation and also give more of a, let's say, um, melodic texture to this research. Yes. So the topical song for this session um, will begin now. We can only play a segment of it due to the, um, the rights. And I hope you have, I hope you have a bossing day. Mm-hmm. 